we're going to stop this Sunday. Next Sunday, we'll talk about Palm Sunday. The following Sunday will be Easter, and then we'll get back to the book of Acts. We're going to go up through about chapter 9. Right now, we're in chapter 4. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus was with his disciples. He had, we had the resurrection. Jesus ascends into heaven. The disciples have to choose a guy to replace Judas. They choose a guy by the name of Matthias. Acts chapter 2, there's Pentecost. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes and starts to permanently undwell believers. Uh, Peter preaches. 3,000 people get saved and baptized and kind of become a part of that thing that's called the church. We get to um, um, chapter, uh, chapter 3, and uh, Peter heals um, uh, a lame man, and that becomes a big issue. And so at the end of chapter 3, Peter preaches, very much uh, starts to, to preach what, uh, what God has been doing and how God healed them. And there are a lot of questions. We get to chapter 4, and uh, the religious leaders of the day were not too excited about what Peter and John had done. So they hauled them into their religious court, and basically uh, they don't have anything they can hold them on, so they tell them, say, look, you guys just can't do this anymore. And we talked about this last week, that, that Peter and John stood before that group of, of religious leaders, the Sanhedrin and the chief priests and all the people that were there, and stood up for Christ. And, and basically all they could say to them was, look, guys, you can't preach anymore. And uh, Peter and John respectfully looked at them and said, well, you decide whether we're going to listen to you or whether we're going to listen to God. But, um, you know, uh, we're going to do what we need to do, and you need to do what you need to do. We now come to chapter 4, at the end of chapter 4, where we get a glimpse now into what happens after this trial and what these people do. And we get this incredible glimpse of the church, which is very helpful to us today. So that's where we're going to pick up our story, Acts chapter 4, and here's what it says. Um, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then he goes on. This is actually a quote from Psalm 2 here. Uh, Next verse, guys. Uh, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did that, that your power and will had decided beforehand what should happen. So Peter and John head back, and this is important, they go back to where? To the church people, to to the disciples, uh, to, to the people that... That at this point, like I say, how large is the group? I don't know. But it's, it's the church group that they head back to. And one of the things that they do is the, the first thing that you see here is this idea of they fellowship. They go back to people who are like them. Okay? Now, now listen, this is important because we, we miss this. They had just been in, a, in an environment where everybody was against them. All of those people were trying to catch them. All those people were trying to trip them up. All those people were trying to get them to stop what they were doing. And when they leave there, they've really been beat up pretty good as far as, as, far as verbally and, 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 and the questions and all the accusations. So where do they go? They go back to 
the church, if you will. They'll go back to the people of God where they can find encouragement, where they can find help. Now look, don't minimize how important what you're doing this morning is. Because you see, as a Christian, we're out in a world that doesn't get what we get. We're in a world that would love to trip us up. We're in a world that is against most of what we believe they're against. And you're watching in a world where if you stand up for Christ, you get attacked. People call you bigots. People call you prejudiced. People tell you that you don't know what you're talking about. People tell you you don't care about people or you don't love people. And you need something to be able to recharge your batteries, so to speak. Um, and, and you think about you think about it. simple thing here. If you come up here on Tuesday or Friday, here's what you'll find: there are battery chargers all over this place. You know why? Because the more we use those drill guns and impact drivers and everything else, the harder we use them, the more we need to charge them up. Can you imagine me coming up here and going, "Hey guys, look, I got my battery. This is going to last me up here all year." The only way it's going to last all year is if I don't use it. But if I'm really going to use it, then I, and, and it's the same thing with being around Christians, being around people who are like-minded encourages us. This builds us up. That's one of the reasons we do it. One of the reasons we take time, we take about five minutes or so every Sunday to let you talk to each other. And you do it before the service, and then you do it during the service, and then you do it after the service. Once a month, we do a potluck. To say, look, we want you to sit at a table. That's this morning, by the way. We want you to sit at a table and eat with somebody and get to know somebody. Why? Because fellowship is so important. And these guys realized it. So one of the first things that they do is they head back and they fellowship together. And then notice what they also do. They pray. Don't minimize the importance of this. And notice how they prayed, because this is important. They focus on what God's done. They sit back and they pray, and one of the things that they pray is they start saying, Lord, you've done this, and you've done this, and you've done this, and you've done this. Why? Because they needed to remind themselves that God was at work among them. Listen, there is something to be said for you taking some time to step back and say, what has God done in my life to this point? Um, I, I shared with it in Sunday school this morning. Um, I, the last couple of weeks, I've had a struggle with, um, with some stuff that's going on and with some stuff that I started getting worried about that, you know how it goes, 90% of the things you worry about never happen. Well, this was one of those deals where I was worried about something I shouldn't have been worried about. And what helped me was to take a step back and to say, you know what, how have I watched God work up until this point? How have I seen God at work over and over and over again? Why would God stop now? My wife and I often in our marriage will come up against something that, that's bigger than us. And we'll wonder, what's God going to do? How's God going to take care of this? And, and one of the things that has helped us is to be able to sit back and say, you know what? We watch God move us from here to here, and we watch God take care of us here, and we watch God do this here, and we watch God. Why would God invest all of that effort in us to all of a sudden go one day, you know what? I'm done. I'm tired of helping those people. I'm, I'm out of here. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. And he never leaves us and never forsakes us, and he keeps plugging away. And, 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 and these guys went to God, and one of the things that they did is they started focusing on what God had done. 
and what God was at work doing in our lives. And I think that that's helpful to us as well. And then the other thing is, um, it's interesting to notice what they ask for. Now remember, they had been facing persecution. They had been facing a difficult time. Listen to how they pray, because this, this helps us as well. Going on, uh, verse 29, here's what he says. Now the Lord, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now, now wait a minute. They were being persecuted. Shouldn't they ask God to deliver them? Shouldn't they ask God to stop it? Stop the pressure? I mean, these people are making fun of us. These people want to throw us in prison. These people want to get rid of us. And you're going to, by the time we get to chapter 7, these people want to kill us? God, deliver us from this. It's so unfair what people are doing to us. That's not what they ask. Here's what they ask. They say, Lord, give us great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit, Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Through your Holy Servant, Jesus. Wait a minute. He just did that with the lame man, and what did it do? It got him in trouble. It brought problems. So they didn't say, okay, Lord, take away the persecution. No, they said, okay, Lord, look, we want you to keep doing what you're doing. We don't want you to stop doing what you're doing. We realize it's going to be harder for us. We realize it's going to be tougher for us. But you know what, Lord? When the tougher times come, we just want you to help us be bold. We're not looking for a way out. We're looking for a way through it in which you can be honored and glorified. And he goes on to say this. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. In Acts chapter 2, you see the Holy Spirit coming in a permanent way. In Acts chapter 4, you see the Holy Spirit giving these people boldness to boldly preach the word, to boldly go out there, to not back away and back down, to not run from the persecution and the hard times, but instead to realize those hard times and persecution and difficulty was a way for God to go forward. Now, what's interesting here is, next you're going to see this incredible picture of what the first church looked like. You saw it in Acts chapter 2. You're going to see it again in Acts chapter 4. Notice what it says going on. Verse 32. Uh, All the believers were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. He talks about this incredible church and how they took care of one another. Now, some people try to take this verse, this passage, and say, see, it teaches communism, and and we should all have stuff. No, no, no. Nobody's commanded to do this. Anyone who does this does this voluntarily. This is not a everybody had to do this thing. He says from time to time people did that. We know that there are people in the Bible that didn't do that, that God used in great ways. So what you have here is notice what he says. He said they shared, he said they were of one heart and one mind. There was a unity among them. There was a unity where they all got together and said, you know what, what's important here? What's really important here? Is my agenda important or is everybody important here? 
there was a focus here that in, in which they were, they said, we want to reach other people. We want to take care of one another. Because remember, from Pentecost, what happened? A lot of these people had traveled to Pentecost as Jews, gotten saved, maybe for whatever reason decided not to go back home. They're now living there. Some people had, their families had excommunicated them. So now they don't have a job. They don't have a place to live. And this, this group of people saying, look, you want to be a part of us? Then be a part of us. We'll take care of you. We'll all take care of each other. Now, I struggle with this little thing that they shared everything they had. Because if you've worked up here on Tuesday and Friday, you know that there are certain things that I don't like sharing. Um, and I reluctantly shared my new torpedo level, which almost got stolen. Um, <laughs> I reluctantly get into my, my set of special bits because everybody goes, oh, I don't have this bit, you know. Oh, yeah, I have one, and I want it back. Um, so, so I struggle a little bit with the sharing everything. A lot of stuff I don't mind sharing, you know, but, but here was the idea. The idea was I can let you use what I have. That's okay with me. It's not, I'm not going to hang on to it and not let you do it. Um, it, the modern day analogy would be, okay, you've got three cars, you use two of them, somebody in church, their car breaks down, they need a car for a while, you look at them and go, you know what, hey, look, take my third car, you know, I, we don't use it that much, or even better, give it to them. We have some situations where, um, in, in the church, they had some situation where people were going, you know what, I got this land that I'm really... I'll just sell it and give it, to the, give it to the apostles. They know the leadership. They know who has needs and who doesn't. And that's, that's an important lesson for us in leadership, that, that we have to realize that we're entrusted. In fact, um, I, I, get, I, get a little, I get a little testy over that. Um, when, when we went to put up this sign, okay, in fact, I used, you need to know I used you as an example. Years ago, when we went to put up this sign, they wanted $500 for the permit. I said, so wait a minute. I'm going to give you $500 for a piece of paper? He said, yeah. I said, now wait a minute. I'm not building a building. I'm putting up a sign. And he said, well, that's what it is. And I said, well, that, that's unreasonable. He said, that's, that's ins- I said we're, you understand where we're located. We're not on like Southern Hills you know, we are not, I mean, we are in the boonies. And he goes, well, that's what it says. And so I went back and forth, back and forth. And, and this was my argument to him. I said, let me ask something. That's because here's my problem. I said, we have people that, that, that give money on a regular basis. I said, we have people on fixed incomes that give us 5 or $10 a week. I said, do you know how hard it is for me to go to that person and say, hey, look, thank you for giving last year because we used all your money for a piece of paper to put up a sign? And the guy said, well, he thinks it's reasonable. I said, well, I said, it used to be 50 bucks. I said, I don't mind paying 50 bucks. And so we went round and round, and, and finally he said, well, just 50 bucks is what it cost us for the piece of paper, all right? <laughs> Because here's the thing, it wasn't my money. It was money that we were responsible for, okay? And, and, and that's what I say. And so what they did is they would take stuff and they would give it to the leadership and they'd say, okay, look, we entrust you to help take care of everybody. And the result of it was that 
No one in their little group had a need. They were all taken care of. And that, that is so important for us to understand because notice what it says. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. There were no needy persons around. From time to time, and it talks about they would just sell and they would give the money and they would take care of that. It wasn't a requirement for anybody. But it's what some people felt led to do because that was a way they could help. We've watched that over and over again. I've watched people do all kinds of things to try to help uh, take care of things here and, and, and provide things here. But here's what you need to understand, because this is, what, this is what you don't know unless you know Greek history. Okay? In the Greek world, there was a lot taught. Partic- the, the Greek idea is that they, they longed for the perfect man, the perfect world. Okay? And they had this Greek utopia idea. I'm sure very few of us have, but if you've ever read any of the writings of Aristotle or Plato, you see some of this. Okay? Um, <laughs> Plato, in Plato's Republic, he believed in this utopia. And in the utopia that he had in his mind, it was like the perfect Greek world. Things had no value. In other words, people didn't put a value on things. In the perfect Plato's world, there was a a world in which everybody lived at the highest plane, mentally, socially, um, emotionally, and in their terms, spiritually, that one of the things that when it came to possessions, nobody owned anything because nobody cared about anything, physical things. Aristotle believed that people were so connected together that they were of one soul, of one mind. In fact, he used to say, uh, Aristotle said, a genuine friend, somebody who's a really close friend, it's two bodies with one soul. That's what he taught. Okay? So you say, okay, how does that fit? Here, here's how it fits. In the Greek world at the time, they were longing for this utopia kind of world where everybody took care of each other, where things weren't important, where everybody was, was on the same page. They just didn't have Jesus in the, in the center of it all. But this group, this ragtag group comes along. And they're able to accomplish that Greek utopia. They're able to have a world in which they take care of one another, which things don't have the value that they do in everybody else's world, where, they, where they're, 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 they're looking out for one another, where they're of the same mind. So to a Greek, in fact, one of the early descriptions, you know, we call it Christianity. Do you know what? It was never called Christianity in the beginning. You know what it's called? You know what they were called? People of the way. Because here's the idea. These people, this group that we're talking about here, had figured out a way to live that was incredible. They had figured out a way to take care of each other that no one else was doing. They had figured out a way to be on the same page when everybody had their own agendas. They figured out a way to live that was incredible, that people actually looked at and said, that's what I want. that person hates you, but you love them. I don't know how you can do that. I want to learn to live that way. And so what you have is you have this, that's why Christianity just takes off because the world doesn't know what to do with it. And that is so important for us to understand. It is so important for us to be able to value that idea of the world notices when we do it the way it's supposed to be done. 
And that's why it's so important for us to do it the way it's supposed to be done. Because the world is longing for that. But unfortunately, there's so many fakes and phonies out there that the world can't see that. And so we need to live in such a way that they can. So let's talk about how we live this week. Let's talk about how it applies to us. First thing, fellowship. Um, The first idea is the importance of fellowship. Don't minimize it. Don't minimize the role that being around believers has on your life. I talk to people from time to time, and here's, here's what I often hear. I need to get back because I have gotten so far away, and I've stayed away for so long, it affects the way that, I, that, that I'm living. Because they start to realize this fellowship thing is so important. Listen, spend time outside of this building with one another. People who work up here, have been working up here on Tuesday and Thursday, you know what they'll tell you? You want to know the most enjoyable part of the day? When we're not working. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, really, when we're sitting around talking or when we're sitting around and, and we talk about everything, the discussion at lunch Friday was worm casings. <laughs> so you're going, how in the world you had to be there? Um, and it just got crazier from there. But... The idea is we get to know one another and we, we touch base with what's going on in our lives and we get to talk about, you know, before we eat, we pray together. And, and it is so, so important. And, and, and you long that. In fact, that's the thing that people miss when we don't do it. I mean, that's what's going to happen with this project is when it's all done and we're not doing that every week. I can tell you right now, people are going to go, I really miss that. I really miss that. Because the fellowship is so important. It's so important for you to get together with other believers outside of this place as well. And I want to encourage you to do that because it, it, it's so helpful where you're in a world that's against everything that you believe to be around somebody who is like-minded. To be with somebody who can encourage you, who can build you up. And go, you know what, I'm praying for you this week. I, I, I don't live in your world and I know it's tough and I know you're going through a lot, but I want you to know that I think about you every day or I pray for you every day. Um, and, and you're important, you know, it's important for you to know that, that I'm in your corner. That is so valuable for us. And we all need that. And that was true of the early church. And we want it to continue to be true. Our, we've, we never called this Holly Springs Bible Church. We call it Holly Springs Bible Fellowship because we want it to be essential to who we are and what we do. Second idea. They were all on the same page. They were like-minded. They had one purpose, one goal, one focus. That was that Christ be known, that Christ be seen in their lives. Now, let me say this, because some of you were brought up in churches where unity was uniformity. Where people told you, you have to meet this criteria. Here's the blocks. Here's the boxes you have to check off. Check off these boxes and we'll accept you. Unity is not uniformity, okay? And let me give you, this is the easiest way for me to illustrate it for you, okay? No one will ever question whether or not my wife and I are unified. Now, do you think for a moment that that means we agree on everything? Do you think for a moment 
That means that she simply gets up every day and says, Honey, whatever you think is the way it shall be. You think for a moment that she is not opinionated about what she feels strongly about. You think for a minute that means that we have no disagreements. That we see everything the same. Because if you do, please tell me how to get to that world. I would love to live in that kind of world. I'd be miserable. No, she is as feisty as they come. And she is as opinionated as they come. And she is as independent as they come. And I love her, and no one could ever, 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 ever say, you two are not unified. You see, we can be in unity and still go, you know what, I think you're wrong. We can be in unity and go, you know what, because here's the thing. When it comes to what's important, we put aside our individual preferences, and we get on the same page. And we realize what's important and what's not. And when we talk about the church, that's what it is. The church stepped back and went, you know what? My agenda may not be. You know what? You know what? I wanted no windows. And I'm not going to come to a church that has windows. No. Not only did I not want windows, I put the windows in. You know why? Because people went, it's too dark in here. I want windows. And there were enough people that said, I want windows that I realized what I wanted. doesn't matter. It, it, and, and everybody's like, well, why don't you want windows? I'm like, because everybody looks out while you're preaching. It's hard enough to keep their attention, much less put a window in front of them. So, Smart. If I put the windows higher and they're on a hill, all you can see is sky, and I can kind of deal with both. And you know what? I like the windows. And again, you, if you know me, I'm a stained glass guy anyway. I do stained glass. I love windows and light and all that kind of thing. But, again, it wasn't about what I – it's about what, what we wanted as a church. It's about what the big picture thing. And that's what's so important. Do I care? No, I don't care about the windows. Is, is it worth going, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I will not preach in a church with windows. I mean, really? And yet sometimes people get so bent out of shape over stuff that's not important. And that's why you got to decide what's important. You want to talk to me about how, you, how a person gets saved and goes to heaven? You want to try to convince me that there's another way other than Jesus Christ? Then you and I are, I'm not budging there. That's not an issue I budge on. Whether or not we have windows, you know, what color carpet we put in. First question, do I have to put it in? No. Do whatever you want. You know? I mean, come on. You know, it's one of those things where we've got to decide. And, And that's why I say it's so important for us. And that's the thing I love about this church is the unity that we have, that people are willing to say, you know what, if that's what everybody else wants, okay. And I've watched that happen over and over again, day, week after week after week, where people go, where God steps back and he go, or where people step back and they go, hey, look, you know what? If that's what everybody else wants, then that's what we're going to do. 
You know, I don't really care. It's not, it's, it's not my thing. It'll be, it'll be okay that way. So it's the idea of fellowship. It's the idea of unity. And here's the other thing. It's the idea of boldness. It's the idea of being willing to open our mouth. It's the, it's the idea, not the idea of escaping the difficult time, of, uh, of, of pushing the hard times away. It's about, you know what, Lord, when those hard times come, help me to be bold. When somebody asks you this week, hey, what is it about that's different about your life? Don't back away. Tell them about how Jesus Christ has changed your life. Tell them about the relationship that you have with Christ. Let them know. Don't, don't, don't back away from those opportunities and those times. Difficulty for the disciples became a way to talk about Christ. Their hard times, their difficulty and their journeys became a way to tell, to tell people about Jesus Christ. Look, every one of you in here has a story. You got to where you are today in this journey that we call life. I love the illustration this morning with the straws, okay? We used to call them crazy straws. Just dated myself. You know, my mind works different than yours. It really does. Because I'm sitting up here watching that thing, and I, I got it. I mean, I, you know, I was like, oh, awesome illustration. You know what I was thinking about the whole time? When was the last time I drank from a crazy straw? <laughs> I'm actually sitting up here going, I wonder if for the next potluck, we could get like 100 crazy straws. <laughs> and everybody drink from a crazy straw and be a kid again. You know, I'm not a straw person anyway. That, that's how my mind goes, okay? So some of you are going, wow, you know. Um, but it is, it's so true that you all have a journey, and everybody's journey in here goes like that. But you need to understand, the world needs to understand, because people are out there telling everybody that if it's a Christian life, it's all smooth and roses and happiness and flowers. And what world do you live in? Because that's not the world of any of the people of the Bible. It's a crazy upside-down world where there's highs and lows and twists and turns. But the idea is that Jesus is with us every step of the way. That's your story. That's part of your journey. Be bold in being able to tell people about it, not back away. You know, you go, well, my story isn't that pretty. Most of us, that's exactly it. You, those of you who know my story, you know, my marriage story is not pretty. It's great now, but the twists and turns to get to where we are now, those were tough. There's a lot of lessons in there for that. So I, I just want to encourage you to be bold in being able, especially as we head into the Easter season, don't be afraid to invite somebody. Don't be afraid to say, hey, look, you know, you want to come to church with me? We're going to go to, yeah, come on over afterwards and eat. You know, let me, let me you know what, if you get the opportunity, let me, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what God's done in our life. Let me tell you how God's helped me. And you'll be amazed. You'll be absolutely amazed at how God uses you. So I end this morning with this idea. The early church did not seek deliverance from persecution. They understood that people did not like the message. But they were unified in heart, soul, and mind. 
that they would proclaim Jesus and him crucified. We need to do the same. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, I ask that you would guide and direct us. I ask, Lord, that you would use us, Lord, in a, in a unique way. Lord, for many here, they just, not something they talk about. But Lord, I ask that you would open their hearts and minds to the opportunities in front of them, that, Lord, they would be willing to speak. And that, Lord, you would give them boldness as they talk to not back down from what they need to say. Lord, not to be obnoxious, but, Lord, simply to be respectful and wise in telling their story. Lord, thank you for the fellowship that we have here. Thank you for the unity. Lord, I ask that you would protect it, and I ask that you would grow it. And, Lord, may it truly be said that we are a church that loves one another, that takes care of one another, and that does everything we can, Lord, to live out the way you taught us to live. So that people could see, Lord, the way we live is the way that you wanted us to live. So help us to apply it. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together. <clears throat> We're going to sing.